You're listening to the Princeton Bible Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live out the simple truth of loving God, loving people, and serving others. Visit us on the web at PrincetonBibleChurch.org or any Sunday at 10 a.m. on the campus of Westminster Fire College in Princeton, New Jersey. And then today we're going to talk about adjusting the way we pray, and that's going to result in more peace in our life, because peace and worry, they don't go together very well. A couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, I went on an outing with the fellas. We went on a bowling trip. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's real. I don't like to bowl. Yeah, that's beside the point. I don't like to bowl because prior to my last experience with the fellas, I considered myself the world's worst bowler. I really did. I mean, it's just not my, my cup of tea. But I like hanging with the guys, and so I said, okay, I'll go, and we'll spend some time bowling together. But the best part wasn't the bowling. It was the watching people bowl. Not only the people in our group, which was entertaining enough, but the people in the other lanes. And the thing that I noticed is, is everybody's got different styles, right, about how they bowl. I mean, you got, yeah, I, you got the people who show up with their own ball and shoes. Don't bowl with those people. <laughs> You're about to get sharked, okay? They are going to take advantage of you in some way. Or they're just a little off. Either way, you don't want to bowl with them. And so you had all kinds, you know, you had the people that were a little more serious about what they were doing, and you know, they dry the hand on the little blowy thing right there, and then they, they grip the ball, you know, they get the, you know, they're making sure they're all lined up, and then they, and then they let her fly, you know. And then you got the people that are more like me that just, you know, the two-handed little push down the aisle. And, but regardless of style, regardless of the, the, all the different moves they went through to get to the point where they actually let go of the ball, here's one thing I noticed about every single person, regardless of how they got to that point. They, when they got up there and they let the ball go, everybody, almost everybody, did the same thing. They're trying to... No. You've seen it, right? The ball's not in their hand. It's not attached to a string. They have no control over where the ball is going to go at this point. But you see him. Come on. Come on. No. Oh. Get it. And they're trying to guide the ball. They put more energy and effort into their movement after they let the ball go than they ever do before they release it. Now let that sink in for a second. They put more effort into the thing that's out of their control than they do into the thing that they're responsible for. This is where most of us live. We live right there. We get focused on the things that are outside of our control. We get worried about that stuff. And we don't spend enough time thinking about 
considering, preparing for those things that are actually in our hands. And as a result, we worry. I think God desires for us to let go of those things that aren't in our control. In fact, let's say it this way. This will be our kind of our takeaway thought for today. Leave those things that are uncontrollable in the hands of the uncontainable one. Leave those things that are uncontrollable in the hands of the uncontainable one. We're going to leave it in his hands. And we're going to focus on what he wants us to focus on. On the things that he desires for us to do. And I think as a result, we're going to worry less and have more peace in our life. But what are those things? What are those things that God desires for us to focus on? To spend our time considering, thinking about, doing. Let's look in Philippians 4. That's where we're going to be today. If you've got a Bible, open to Philippians 4. If not, just look up on the screen. It'll be up there for you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He comes right out of the gate here and makes just one of those bold statements. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about it. No worries. It is one of those parts of the Bible where you just go, what? Are you kidding me? Don't worry about anything? Is that realistic? What am I supposed to do instead? Let's keep going. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace, and I'm sorry, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me give you three things this morning that I think that God desires for us to do, to focus our attention on. Things that are in our hands, like the bowling ball, that are going to help us have more peace and less worry in our life. The first one is this, right praying. Right praying. He says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. But by prayer and supplication with giving of thanks, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, if, if we took a survey of this group and even people beyond the walls this morning and we said, hey... When, when you're worried, do you pray? I think probably the majority of people would say, yeah. When I'm worried, when I'm feeling some anxiety, I pray. But then if we ask the follow-up question, did it help? Probably a far less response, wouldn't it be? To just say, ah, it didn't really help me that much. When I got done, when I said amen, when I got off my knees, when I unfolded my hands, and here I am you know, didn't really accomplish a whole lot. So we're not just talking about praying. We're talking about the right kind of prayer. Offering prayer in the right way. Let's look at what he says here. He says, but in everything by prayer. Prayer. The word underneath that word prayer, the word that's translated as prayer there, implies adoration. Worship. Praise. And so one of the things that we need to do is we need to pray with adoration in our life. 
adoring Him, worshiping Him, falling down before Him, expressing our love and our joy to Him. We tend to rush into His presence, don't we? With our laundry list. Hey, God, you know, uh, big list today. Can you please this and that and kill them and help them? And, you know, we got... We got our stuff that we bring before God. All these things that we offer up to Him. And then we come away and we don't feel that peace of God. And oftentimes I think that is because we haven't started by bowing before Him in prayer. In the sense of adoring Him. To stop and go, Lord, you're the Creator and sustainer of all. Everything is in your hands. It's only because of you that I have life and breath. You're you're responsible for everything that's good in my life. Just worshiping him, praising him, adoring him. It's got to begin there. And, And let me tell you why. Because when I begin with that hard attitude, when I start by adoring God and expressing my heart's desire to Him and really proclaiming who He is to me, it puts me in the right state of mind. Because what I'm really saying is, God, you are able to handle this situation. My adoration is pouring out to Him, and I'm understanding that He's bigger than any problem that I could possibly have in my life. And so that's why it has to begin with adoration. It's to, it's, it has to begin with this praise. Because we're expressing to God, God, you can deal with this. Even though I'm not capable, you are capable of handling this situation for me. And he goes on. He says, by prayer and supplication. That's not a word we use a lot today, but it simply means the specific items of my heart or the specific requests that I have. God has no problem with you bringing your laundry list to him. He really doesn't. If you have things that are weighing you down, that are burdened upon your heart, God doesn't have an issue with us bringing those things to him and saying, God, can you help me with this? God, can you work out this situation at, at, at work? Can you take care of this, this, uh, this medical test that I have? And God, if it's your will, please help it to be okay. And Whatever it may be, you can bring those specific requests to God. He is willing to help you with those things. Adoration, supplication. And the final one that he says here is appreciation. He says, let your, he says by prayer and supplication, look at it, with thanksgiving. Now he's talking about more than simply coming and having a thankful heart. That's important. No doubt. We should be thankful for the blessings that God has given us in our life. But I think that this thanks, this appreciation, is directly tied to those specific requests that we're offering. Supplication with thanksgiving. In other words, we're thanking God in advance for what work He is going to do in our situation. That takes faith. To come to God... And adore him. And to offer my specific needs. To to cast my burdens, my cares upon him. But then to be able to thank him. God, I'm going to thank you in advance for how you're going to work in this situation. That requires great 
faith on our part. It's that appreciation. It's that thanksgiving. There's nothing that a parent likes more than when their kid says, thank you. I mean, we teach that to them when they're this, this high. We had a little song in my house. There are two little magic words that can open any door with ease. The first little word is thanks, and the second little word is please. Everybody now. There are two little magic words. So from the time they're this little, we're pumping that into them. And I got a thing going in my house. My kids will say, hey, Dad, would you give me a glass of milk? Or, Dad, would you get a glass of water? Or, Dad, will you bring this to me? And I, I'm, I'm in, obliged to help them on occasion. And so I, but here's my thing. I bring the cup to them and say they're sitting at the table. I, I extend it to them. They reach for it. But I don't let go of it until they say thank you. And it's amazing. From this high, I've been, from this high, I've been teaching them to say thank you, and I still have to remind them to show their appreciation when the blessing comes. Do you think we're any different to our Father in heaven? Could it be that he's withholding that peace that you desire? He's got a hold of it. He's offering it, but he's waiting for that appreciation for that thanksgiving from you to say, God, thank you for that. Thank you in advance for the way that you are working in my life and in this situation. But what gives? I mean, why do we come to God in prayer sometimes? And we, as I said earlier, we get off our knees, we unfold our hands, we say amen, and I still have that angst. My spirit is still troubled. I don't have the peace of God. Why does that happen? Why is that the case? Let me, let me show you another verse that I think can help us to understand why that's the case. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Check this out. It says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let me point out a couple of things in this passage. The first thing, notice, he, he says this begins with humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. We, it takes great humility to come to God and say, God, I have this need. I can't deal with this. I have to give this to you. That takes great humility. And that's where he wants us to begin. To admit, I can't deal with this. This is beyond me. We, because when it comes right down to it, we all have control issues. We do. We, we worry because something is outside of the realm of what we can manipulate. When it gets beyond us, that's when we begin to worry. And so he's saying, you need to humble yourself. You need to admit, you can't control this. You can't manipulate this. You can't handle this. There's no strings that you can pull that are going to make this any different. I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. He can handle it. When my hand is weak, his is mighty. He can handle it. That's where it begins. But notice, notice, notice. 
Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to help you. But it's our responsibility to cast our care upon him. Here's what happens, though. Here's why we get off our knees, unfold our hands, say amen, and we still don't have that peace. You with me? I want you to imagine yourself. You're walking through life, and you've got your bag. Let me grab this. You've got your bowling ball bag. But let's say it weighs a lot more than 14 pounds. Let's say it weighs several hundred pounds. And these are your worries. And so you're trouncing through life. Oh, and it's getting heavy. It's weighing you down. It's a burden. It's all this angst that you're carrying with you. And along some, comes somebody and they say, hey, can I give you a lift? I noticed you're walking. Can I give you a ride? And so you say, yeah, that'd be great. And you jump in their car with them and you sit down. But you keep hanging on to the burden. You keep hanging on to the burden. You didn't lay it down. You didn't allow them to help you carry it. You, you're riding, but you're still carrying the burden. And a lot of us treat prayer that exact same way. We come to God. We let Him know what's going on in our life. We're trying to cast our care upon Him because we know He cares for us. But then when we get up off our knees, you know what we do? We pick it up again. Okay. Let me just take it with me again and carry this with me. We don't leave it there with Him. We continue to carry the burden of our worry and care with us. Leave it with Him. Cast it upon Him. And don't stop casting it until the peace comes. How do you know when you've cast it upon Him? When I have peace. Otherwise, I still got a piece of it <laughs> that I'm carrying. He desires for us to pray the right way. Let's keep going. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Not only do we need right praying, but we also need right thinking. Most of the battle for worry is fought in our thoughts. And so we need to think in the right way about things. Where are you focusing your thoughts? You're with me, right, on that? Most of the things that we do and worry are right here between the ears, right? It's where we focus our attention. It's where we think that makes a difference about worry. Now, I'm not a big uh, power of positive thinking guy. I, I, but I understand this. There is power in the way that we think. In fact, check this out. Look in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. It's there on the screen. Check this out. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You become what you think about. Ultimately, the way that I live out life is driven by the way that I think about things. My worldview determines 
how I act, the way that I live out. Worry is no different. When I find myself engaged in worry, it's because I'm not thinking the right way about things. If you would describe yourself, man, I'm just, I'm just a worrier, then you're not thinking the right way. As, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. The way that I think determines who I become. Wrong thoughts lead to discouragement. They lead to worry. When I become focused on my circumstances, instead of focused on Christ, I begin to worry. When I become consumed with my problems and my limitations, instead of God and his solutions, I begin to worry. But listen to me. It's not enough for me just to stop thinking the wrong things. You can't, you, you can't sit here this morning and go, okay, that's it. I'm not, I'm not thinking the bad anymore. Then I'm, gonna, I'm done with that. I'm done with thinking the negative thoughts. We can't just stop doing that. We have to replace them with something. It's not enough just to stop the negative. We have to replace it with the positive. And Paul tells us right here in this passage, he says, think on these things. Check this out in Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 in verse 3. It says this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. That word perfect means complete. Whose mind is stayed or focused on thee. Check it out. Because he trusts in thee. God promises that person whose mind is focused on him, perfect peace, complete peace. Why? Because that indicates my complete surrender and trust to him. When I'm trying to pull strings, when I'm trying to control, when I'm trying to manipulate, I begin to worry. But when I have surrendered control and I'm completely trusting in him, my mind, my thoughts, they're focused on him. I'm, I'm focused on his solutions, not my problems and circumstances. Jesus is my focus. That's when I experience peace in my life. Paul tells us. He tells us what to think about. He says, I want you to think about truth, honesty, justice, purity, loveliness, good things, virtue, praise. When I read that little portion of God's word and see the words that he tells us to focus on it, it draws my mind to a, a, a passage in Psalm 19. And I want to share that with you this morning because Notice the parallels between these two, pass these two passages. Psalm 19, verse 7 to 9. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Where does God want us to spend our time when worry creeps into our life? Where does he want our thoughts to go? To his word. To the truth of the scripture. To think on those things. To allow those thoughts to consume me and not my worry. Right thinking. Right praying. Let's keep going. Verse 9, those things, 
which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now I want you to, if you've got a Bible there in front of you, I want you to circle that two-letter word right there in the middle of that verse, the word do. Do. Because that's the key to this whole little section right here. This is right living. We need right praying. We need right thinking. But we also need right living. He says, the things that you've learned, the things that you received, the things that you heard, the things that you've seen in me, do those things. Right living. I want you to do those things. In my life, many, many of you have known me for years and years and years, and you can ask my wife this. Anytime we're in a, in a situation or in a, a crisis or we've got something that may cause us to worry, and uh, my wife will say, well, what are we going to do? Or one of you will say to me, what are we going to do? My, my standard response is, we're going to do what's right. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to rest in our integrity. Because if, if I do the right thing, if I have integrity in my life, if I'm living out my faith, then I can have peace resting in that, whatever comes. As long as I know that I've done the right thing, I can't control other things, but I can control that. I had a talk just yesterday with my son. Because we had a thing, a situation that happened, and we are having a conversation, he did something he shouldn't have done, and immediately he wanted to blame someone else for what happened. Well, they did, and I just stopped him. I said, wait a second. I'm not talking about what they did. I can't control what they did. You can't control what they did. All you can control is what you do. And we need to learn that lesson as well. I can't control what other people do. I can't control many of the circumstances around me. But what I can control is me doing the right thing in the midst of my circumstances, irregardless of what that may bring. God wants us to live right there, doing the right thing, living life the right way. If I can do that, I think we experience what he says there at the end of that verse where he says, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's how we do the right thing. In and of myself, I can't do it. But through his strength, through his spirit that indwells me, that God of peace that lives within me, I can do the right thing. The worry robs us of our peace. But we can have the peace of God that this passage talks about. The peace of God that he says passes all understanding. It's a peace that the world looks at and they go, I don't understand that. How can you go through that trial? How can you experience that in your life? And just kind of be even. Have this, I don't, I don't understand it. It's a peace that passes understanding. How do you experience that? We can have that. I think that we can also sense the God of peace and his presence in our life if, if we focus on those things that we can control. If we, if we focus on praying the way God wants us to pray. 
if we focus on thinking the thoughts that God desires for us to think, if we focus on doing the right thing and living the right way, then we can experience that peace of God that passes all understanding. But, but hear me. Because you're, you'll never, ever experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. You'll never sense the presence of the God of peace in your life if you don't first have peace with God. There's a difference. The peace of God and the peace with God, those are two separate, totally different things. First, we have to make peace with God before we can experience the peace of God in our life. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice that? You see, the Bible describes our condition, and it's not pretty. It says that our sin has separated us from God. In fact, it describes us in the way it says we're alienated from God. It says, even says that we're the enemies of God. And I know that's hard language. I know that's difficult to understand, but please hear me out because that's the bad news. But Jesus came for the purpose of reconciling God and mankind to once again bring them into perfect union with one another to bring peace between these two parties that were at odds with one another. God desired it. He wanted to have peace. He wanted that relationship. And so he sent his son to make a way for you and I to have peace with God. Well, how do we get that, though? He says right here in this passage, through faith. Through faith. Through faith in what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, you and I, we can have peace with God. That's the reason he came. It's a matter of us trusting him, putting our faith and our trust totally in him, not in works that I've done, but simply based upon the work that he did by dying, by being buried, and by raising again the third day. That helps us, enables us to have peace with God. Once I have that, then I can grow in the peace of God and I can feel God's presence, the God of peace at presence in my life. And so before we move into our, our main challenge for the majority of the group this morning, I want to give anyone that's here an opportunity. If you, if you don't know that you've been reconciled to God, that you have peace with God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this very morning, to make peace with God. Maybe you've been running for God for years and years and years. Maybe you, at one point in time, were in church and you drifted away for whatever reason, and here you sit today, I don't believe that's by accident. Maybe you're just investigating this thing called Christianity. You want to know what it's all about. It doesn't get any plainer than this, that you and I can have peace with God 
through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, if you're here and you don't, know, you don't have that assurance of having peace with God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here this morning and you uh, haven't made that commitment in your life, I want to invite you to pray along with me. Just in your heart. There's nothing magical about these words. But just out of your heart, in sincerity, pray to God and ask him to save you this morning. Let's pray this. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. And this morning, I put my faith and trust in you. Lord, this morning, I understand that it's only through you and what you did on Calvary's cross that I can have peace with God. This morning, I put my faith and trust in you and desire for you to come into my heart and to save me. I don't understand everything, but I want to commit my life to you and ask you to be my Lord and my leader and to help me, give me the strength to live my life all for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you, and you prayed that prayer, or maybe you were here and you already have that relationship with Jesus. Every single one of us have worries from time to time. I'm sure every person in here has something that's on their heart. Maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a little thing. But there's some worry, there's some anxiety, there's some, something that's troubling you in your heart. I want to challenge you this morning to do something with me, to join me in this. I want you to, you've got a piece of paper inside your bulletin this morning. I want you to take that out, and on that piece of paper, I want you to just write your biggest worry right now in your life. Just write that on that piece of paper right now. I'm going to give you just a, a, a few moments to, to write that down. What am I worried about? Maybe it's work-related. Maybe it's family-related. Maybe it's health-related. Whatever it is, take just a moment and write that biggest worry down on that orange piece of paper that's there in your bulletin. And as you're doing that, let me explain to you what we're going to do. The Bible says, as we just read a moment ago in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, that we're to cast our cares, our worries, our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And so this morning, as a symbolic gesture, I'm going to invite you in a moment, as Hannah comes and, and, and plays and sings a song, to bring that worry, that care, that anxiety that you've written down to bring it here before the throne of God and lay it there in that bowl. Just as a symbolic gesture of, hey, I am casting this care. I'm not carrying it anymore. I'm giving it to you. I'm casting it upon you. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to take that which is uncontrollable and leave it in the hands of the uncontainable one. And so I'll invite Hannah to come forward. But as you feel led, you don't have to. But as you feel that in the quietness of this moment, I want you to just come, make your way to the front, and you can drop your care, whatever it may be, in the bowl this morning.